right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TF Tuesday pod. My name is Zill. Uh, it's good to have you all back here on this wonderful TF Tuesday. I'm joined by my co-host, Kay Libra. How are you doing, Kay Libra? I'm doing all right. I have discovered the truth behind apparent viral sensation of making brownies with Coca-Cola, and that that should have whoever invented that idea just just kick him in the chest until he gets a fracture fuck him i don't fuck think him. they're that bad they're horrible i don't think they're that bad they're awful disgusting they made me ill they made they made stuff okay. ill okay listen i only had them the day after so maybe what you're supposed to do is just put them in the fridge and not have them when they're warm yeah okay sure there's nothing like fresh baked goods you got to wait a day before the chemicals before the chemical taste comes out of it I don't know, maybe you're just eating it wrong, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's an operator error. Yeah, okay, so either one of us is more or less human and can accept the taste of that. I mean, I don't have hands right now, so I think you're the more human one. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited for the episode we have lined up today with a very special guest. Uh, Before we get to that, uh, just a reminder that you can support us over at patreon.com slash tftuesdaypod. We have a wonderful Discord that you get to join and you can chat with myself and Calibra and our wonderful community. We have some really great memes, really great patrons on there, and you get I, I don't know, our unfiltered you, thoughts. You get you get you get to be seen too, so yeah. it's easier for us to just notice, oh, is this something that's uh that maybe you'd want us to discuss? I don't know. Yeah. You can get in our heads that way. Yeah, you can plant ideas, and then maybe they come up in the podcast. Ooh, so or you can ask questions, but uh, you got a number of ways you can do that. We'll tell you later. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you can check us out there, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. <laughs> Uh, overcast. Uh, there's so many. I I learn of a spellcast? new one every day. There's probably a spellcast. I don't fucking know. There's just a bajillion platforms you can listen to us on because we're just multi-platform. You know. Yeah, we uh, have so, to be everywhere. Yeah, we adaptable. have to be everywhere. very adaptable. You know, we're very in tune with the changes of the times. So, yeah, have to uh, be that way. Yeah, it's always a good way to be. But yeah, that's out of the way. Uh, I'd like to turn it over to our guest, Age, to introduce himself. Hey. The introduction. Um, I'm Age. No one may know me as a JS. Yes, the G is silent, but um, I go by Age pretty much exclusively now online. I'm 33. I'm an artist illustrator from Philadelphia or Philly in the US. That's it. Yeah. And I was really excited to chat with you because, I mean, personally, from a personal standpoint, you were the first artist I ever commissioned. And I've been on your Patreon ever since. So I'm really excited to have you here. And in particular, I'm just really like interested to hear more about like your personal art journey and how that ties into TF because you have like a really interesting artistic background, in my opinion. So I'd love to like hear a little more about that and whatever you'd like to share. Sure. So I guess for me, probably this is similar to like a lot of other artists, whether they ended up in TF or not. It's always really weird to say that out loud, TF the yeah. transformation, because yeah. like I <laughs> don't really say it like. You know, it's like, oh, I drew this thing of someone turning into something. You don't really say it. They go, oh, okay. But like saying TF or saying transformation art, if it, first off, it's either a mouthful or it's like an abbreviation. It's just really weird yeah. to say. I don't know if that's something anyone else ever says. But yeah, it's always just weird to say. Like I always tell people I started drawing when I was like five. I've basically always done. Like um, my mom is an artist, her father and my dad's mother 
is a multimedia artist. So like I've always had mm-hmm. artists around family. My sisters, I forget them. They sort of drew, they kind of just left it to the side. My one sister takes beautiful photos, but like, you know, it really stuck with me. My mom painted when we were little fish, oddly enough, which that'll probably be relevant. <laughs> I don't know what, but something maybe. Yeah. But like, you know, a lot of my friends who, you know, stuck with art throughout their lives got really encouraged in school. I didn't. <laughs> I was constantly drawing in school and I always kind of got crap for it from my teachers because I do it on assignments. I do it in notebooks. I draw little characters doing stuff in like the margins. Yeah. And I didn't really have a great experience in like art education throughout schooling. Um, my school specifically, our elementary school and middle school, I had like varying degrees of support for the arts. Not the best, not the worst, just sort of there. There's also sort of an infamous story. I was in kindergarten. I don't know if you know all of your viewers have that. It's sort of like around the age five. Um, the Philadelphia Art Museum had a visiting show from the Art of Cezanne. And my mom was a huge fan of the Impressionists and the Post-Impressionists. And this was like a gigantic exhibition that they did, I think, in parts with the Musée d'Orsay and the Orangery. I'm not sure because this happened like 28 years ago. Because as I mentioned, I'm 33 and I'm very old now and having problems. So memory is the first thing to go. My grandparents used to always say to me. And my mom took me because she wanted to expose me to art museums and stuff. And little did she or I know that that would become like something I'd be super interested in. And I just remember seeing, now, granted, these are, this is Cezanne, right? This is what I used to just put naked people on everything, right? So yeah. I was the colors and the people and the skin and the trees and the grass. The next day, my poor kindergarten teacher wanted us to do a coloring sheet. So I was telling her that, oh, look, you can put purple in people and in trees and in the sky. And so my five-year-old brain was probably just ramming the colors into the sky and into the trees. So I had purple trees and I had orange people and I had red skies. So she called my mother and said I needed to be tested for special needs because oh I was God. refusing to complete my assignment correctly. So this caused an enormous rupture between my mother and the teacher and then eventually school administration that eventually resulted in me getting my sheet back because the very next day the teacher had bigger fish to fry because another student threw a chair at her. Oh, geez. So that moral issue got pushed out from under, you know, under the yeah. because that teacher's mother tried to exercise demons in the classroom. But it's interesting because like I, from that, really liked art. And, you know, going to art museums and that, mm-hmm. you know, just because it says this is how things have to be doesn't mean that it's how to be. Yeah. Not to say that, you know, I knew that at the time, but I knew that, like, you know, I saw it in the museum. The museum said this was right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, my mom was like, well, just look at your own skin. You can see different colors in your own skin. You can see the blue from the veins or you can see red, you know, when you get a sunburn. Just because something yeah. is something one way, it doesn't always have to be. It can almost be transformative. Exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah well yeah so that's sort of that's kind of set the tone for how i experienced art you know i really like doing it but the school system like i said the art wasn't great my one art teacher would just throw a bucket of crate pods which are sort of like cut rate oil pastels and just leave us to our own devices for that 40 minutes or half an hour depending on what how long it was and they'd throw on the dark crystal or some movie and yeah. sort of leave us to our own devices and that's pretty much what art art was like in school, in elementary school, or middle school. And like when I would ask, "Oh, what do you think about this thing I make?" Whether it was an assignment or a free thing, they're like, "Uh huh, okay, go sit down, Phil. That's it." 
And then my parents, my mom would say, oh, that's really great. So when you're hearing your family say it's good, but you're hearing your teacher say it's not, who are you going to listen to? The people who have to like it because they had you or the teachers who have the degrees. So that's kind of where I was for a while. I didn't really think I was great. And that's sort of like, uh, it was like artistic whiplash, you know. You'd think yeah. you weren't good, but you wanted to do it anyway, but you would want to prove it from the school, but you didn't get it. And I also just drew at the wrong time. Like, I would draw during class all the time. And I'd get in trouble, especially when I got to middle school. It would be worse because I'd have teachers that got really upset because they thought I wasn't listening. And I was. Mm-hmm. I also, in third grade, got tested for ADHD because they thought I had something seriously wrong with me. They found out that, no, it's just we now would call it dopamine or a different kind of dysfunction that's an attention mm-hmm. deficit disorder, not necessarily just ignoring you for the heck of it. It sounds like, uh, you know, the beginning of your experience with art was one where the people around you had no idea that, that you could just be a creative person, which is really ironic, especially with the uh, with art class. The way you make it sound is um, it's just let the kids play in the sandbox until they're tired. Yeah. And like, I hated art class. Which is sad because, you know, that's kind of the only class where you get, you're allowed to express yourself. And I just yeah. hated it because, oh my God, there would always be those kids that the teachers would act like they were so great. Oh, look at Jeffrey, he drew a parrot. It's like, well, who cares about the parrot? I wanted to draw anything. And the one kid who did the nice colored by numbers, you acted like he was God's gift to, you know, the art world. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, 33. I still remember about things that happened when I was seven, and I can't let them know. <laughs> one of the things and i know this is probably a negative trait or it's an adhd trait as i got older when someone told me i couldn't do something it made me want to do it more so for for example in high school the art department was controlled by a single faculty member and she more or less decided who got to take ap studio art which with the benefit of hindsight i know her word was not law and i thought it was because you know in the U.S., the college board runs everything. I mean, you can see terrifying examples in certain states that I won't name about, you know, what the college board will or won't allow. And that's part of admissions with right. some of the art schools, whether they're state or or public or excuse me, state or private. Usually certain AP courses, along with your class rank and your GPA and your SAT or ACT or whatever, whatever acronym we're using now. Those are all important, and AP Studio Art is usually one that you need to have on your resume to even get into studio courses. Um, So she told me, looking at my portfolio, and this is years later in high school, that essentially she wasn't going to recommend me to take the class that she sat on to take AP Studio Art. So she kind of like closed the door at 17 and said, no, you're not getting into art school because I don't want you to take this course that will allow you to get into Wow. Yes. That's That's extremely friendly. Yes, as an example of how petty I am, I sent my portfolio to her after I got accepted into art school. And I, <laughs> sent her, I have sent her a copy of every solo show I've ever had to invite her to. She doesn't come to them. And I don't really want her to, but I still invite her. That's great. I also invite my elementary school teacher to them too, and she comes to some. Um, but that's <laughs> that's just, I know, it's it's a really bad character flaw, and I shouldn't do it, but I do it anyway. Yeah. But like to get into that point where like I learned more how to draw, um, we had a really bad TV growing up, mm-hmm. and it would freeze all the time. And when I would watch Dragon Ball Z, it would get stuck all the time. And that's one of the reasons where I learned to draw muscles, especially in the chest and the abdomen, because it would freeze and I would get out. 
you know, my little sketchbook and I would draw, especially oh because God. stay in the same pose for so long because of how long those filler episodes were. That's how I learned to draw the muscles. Now they're well and always correct because, you know, they would compress and extend those episodes out for so long with artists that weren't that, you know, they weren't necessarily a curatoriama draw on those muscles. And that's how I would do it. Another way I learned to draw the bodies was, um, do you remember video games and movies that were packaged with the art booklets back in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Early thousands? I would copy yeah. those things day in and day out. And when they stopped putting those in the movies, oh, that's so mad. Because it was like, you took the way I learned to draw away from people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still have a really beat up and mangled copy of Majora's Mask somewhere like the power guide from it or um when circle of the moon came out for the game boy advance I, I have that somewhere in this mess somewhere with all of my notes and like when i was drawing dracula and that's when i realized dracula was like eight feet tall and said six like that's one of the reasons i learned how to draw people yeah for those that don't know circle of the moon is a castlevania game okay. oh yeah. yeah that's helpful sorry <laughs> yes no circle you're good moon. It, that's a note for people like me who who are not as video game astute. It. It's really good. <laughs> I tried playing Circle of the Moon and I, I I couldn't get the flow of it. I could try it again someday, but I was just trying a bunch of Castlevania games. Yeah, and I was going through Aria of Sorrow and everything like that, and I tried Circle yeah. of the Moon and and uh, I loved Aria of Sorrow, but Circle of the Moon wasn't hitting it for me. I got stuck at like the dragon zombie. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll go back tough. to it. You kind of have to shoot that one. If you go to like a corner of the room and you get one of the weapons that fly in an arc, you can choose it. Oh, like an axe? <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand. Yeah, I didn't understand like the, 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 it was like a tarot system or something in that one. Mm hmm. The DS. I totally didn't play that game many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cool, though. Yeah. But I know at one point uh, after you got into art school, I think you actually got to like study abroad, which is really cool to me. And I'd love to hear a little more about that. Yeah, um, that so that is probably where I learned the most amount of things in the shortest amount of times. The first time was in the span of I was there for about three months, maybe a little less. And I took courses in sculpting, um, drawing, painting and an art history course. And those four classes I learned more in that time than I probably have before or since. I took an Renaissance course. I took a stone sculpting course. The drawing course was just an advanced drawing course. And then it was an oil painting course. I took the oil painting course because terrible at it. And I just wanted to learn how to do it. Not only did they teach us how to mix our own oils, but he taught us like seven different ways to paint an oil. My professor for my oil class, he was like, they were all just incredible, like, wells of knowledge. Um, he was originally in Amer uh, from America. I think he was from, like, Iowa or something. His name is Gary. He immigrated there in, like, the 70s. And he's the one who introduced me to printmaking like, for the first time, because a lot of people get introduced to that in college. I had heard of it, like, etching. But he introduced yeah. me to monotyping just as an exercise to get us into trying to think about drawing differently. And that was, like like angel sing as like oh my god crap i can draw differently like with a razor blade and it makes things and that's it was huge and i have an yeah. entirely different way of working entirely different visual language that i never considered and for a couple of years it was like a third of everything i made mm -hmm. um and i've made something like 500 monotypes probably maybe more wow. since then 
Yeah, and it was like a way of like trying to make sketches from it. It was like an entirely different visual language. And then I learned to paint in oils in the span of three months when before that they were like these horribly difficult to figure out, smelly, messed up messes. And now I can paint in oil. Um, I do it once a year. I was supposed to start a couple this year, but for reasons I won't get into, I didn't get any started. And then with sculpting, it just it was just a different way to think to approach drawing. And it's for a while, especially closer to when I took the course, my drawings got more, I don't want to say sculptural, but more sculptural. Like they, it was just the way I approached them was more three-dimensional, despite the fact that, yes, when you're trying to make something look realistic, you have to look three-dimensional. But it was just yeah. a different way of thinking. And mm-hmm. as I was explaining, like this is so different from how we're taught in the States. Gary said it the best. He said, in the States, they try to teach you how to think. And in Europe, they just want to teach you the skills. Like, this is mm-hmm. how you paint. This is how you draw. This is how you sculpt. Not, how does that make you feel? He says, he, they all would say, we're not psychiatrists here. This is how you do it. So then I went back for my postgrad in 20, 2013. I was there for a full year. But yeah. the first three months were like the, was like where I feel like I got the most growth. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's a hell of an experience. And I appreciate you uh, you drawing the distinction between how they feel in Europe about uh, teaching art as, uh, you know, doing it, not so much as uh, thinking about it. And now it makes me consider that when you go to a school in the United States, if it's for arts, you're approaching it as a way to make money. It's your profession. It's the thing you're going to make a living for. It sounds to me like the experience you had is purely about doing the thing that people know as art which i know seems I, I i'm saying it kind of flowery but that's the way it comes off to me if you're going to go to school for art art is the focus not necessarily how to get good enough to make a business out of it it's weird right like in this country you can still sort of see this is going to end up we're going to end up talking about ai i know it but like so people still want to act like art is like this like this light that descends from heaven and some people are blessed with this talent and some people aren't it's a skill you have to have the drive and you have to want to do it it's a skill though and i think that might be the distinction is it's a skill you have to work towards it isn't something you can just download a pdf or open up those how to draw books that just oh now i know how to draw it's yeah. hard yeah it's yeah. like, I'm 33. I've been doing this since I was five, and I'm still not that great. You know, there's plenty of artists that are better than me out there. You can see them. <laughs> there's some that are younger than me that are like 20 years ahead of the way I can draw. It's about skill. It's about drive. It's about picking yourself up every time you have a bad day and doing it again. It's about burning out and getting over it. Or sometimes you don't get over it, and then you need more time to get over it. It's a lot of things, but it isn't like a magical skill. But, you know, you read about, oh, Michelangelo, or you read about Da Vinci, or you read about Raphael and the flowery words that people heap praises on them. It's like they had a lot of things going for them. Yes, they were exceptionally skilled. But people starting out today do not have the entire papacy behind them. They don't have the Medici funding them and sending them to schools and having to worry about nothing else besides carving yeah. and painting. Yeah. It is not the same thing. Yeah. It isn't magic. <laughs> it's yeah, a lot no, of work. it absolutely is. It is a lot of work, and I think, it's yeah, a that's a great point. To... Everybody, it's, it's luck too. You also yeah, have yeah, to get it's... lucky. You usually need at least two or three jobs to have a presence, and I'm sure you've had other people on here who will tell you that they did other things before they started getting commissions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so true, though, because because um, a few people that I've talked to who are these incredibly skilled people, they, you know, like, yeah, fucking delivering pizzas. That was the mm-hmm. thing to do. Deliver pizzas, work your ass off, come home, draw for however long. And that was that was the thing, because that was that was what really mattered. And it's even harder, I feel now, because without getting too much into it, it's a lot about extracting labor out of people in the United yeah. States, especially mm-hmm. and in North America. Yeah. So the drive to want to come home after work is is harder to is harder to get because mm-hmm. because whether you're tapping into your creative energy or not, after you're going through you know, eight hours a day and some, for some people, seven days a week, two or more, it's where are you going to find the energy to actually do the creative shit? You're not going to sometimes. Yeah. And that can be really depressing or make it even harder. And as you said, art is already really, really fucking hard and it's okay. It's all right. (laughs) You have people, you have people that understand. Yeah. No, it it is hard. I just, I, I, I'm listening to all of this and I'm like, yeah, that uh, that resonates yeah. hard with me. I'm not trying to drive anyone into the mud here, but like I've been there. <laughs> like I know what it's like. I know, and like it's just so hard to keep up that drive when you have so many other mm-hmm. things going on at the same time. And as you kind of alluded to, especially you know in this day and age where it feels like art is being devalued to some degree with like mm-hmm. automated tools, it can make it even di- more difficult to find that motivation to continue to push through. So it's. It's tough. It, making art, like you said, is so much more difficult these days, even with all of the incredible tools that we have at our disposal than it was back in the day, because then, you know, you had a rich backer. That's all you had to worry about. It was just the one thing. Right. So you don't mind me adding to this whole thing. Yeah. So it just hit me the huge fucking hypocrisy of valuing hard work. Also, let's not value hard work. Yeah, yeah, that that's basically what it's at right yeah. now. So just touch on that AI button that needs to be pushed until it stays depressed. Go out there, work hard, and you'll succeed. Also, let's not have any of that. Yeah, we don't we don't want that. Fucking people. I don't know yeah. if you saw the meme. I, it might be a year old now. It's like that person. It's like we're going to democratize art, and it's the person stepping over like all the steps to get to the yeah. very top. Um, it's like pick up a pencil, do anything, 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 and the girls like stepping all the way up to the top or first. And I don't know what yeah. the person's gender was. It's just like, but that's what they're doing. Like it's yeah, it's, you can think it, you can have it. It's like, but that's the the point of art is to do it. It's not just to yeah. have it. You do it exactly. And I think you know it's it's great to like. I think you're well positioned to like deliver that message too, because I know that you've done like art shows and stuff, and like done a lot of artwork professionally. I was curious to hear a little bit about like your experience with that and and how you feel about that in relation to also doing like the TF stuff. I always keep them separate. I've tried to like make some stuff in between and it just seems like they don't line up all that well. There isn't a lot of bleed. I mean, occasionally I'll get asked, oh, when are you going to do colored pencil stuff again? It's like, yeah, about that. Let me change the subject. Um, (laughs) There isn't a lot of bleed between the two. I have done... You know, I've done a couple transformation scenes and I keep saying, oh, one of these days I'm going to do like some of the myths out of the metamorphosis or scenes from the Inferno that are like involved with that some way. But I never do it. It'll be one of those things that I'll like do 100 years from now or something. I have done some monotypes. I've done Acteon a couple times. 
I don't know why yeah. that one that's such an awful myth. Like it's it, it's terrible. Like yeah, he does one transgression and then he gets immediately murdered in such a brutal way. But like yeah. you just keep coming back to it. And maybe it's because it's described so graphically in Obvious yeah. Metamorphosis. Um, I've done that one a couple times. But yeah, like I've done since school ended. I think I've had one or two solo shows. I actually have one coming up in the Philadelphia area this. December okay. that I have to get pieces for, hoping I'm going to be able to get into the studio um, to get a couple more banked out because I'm going to have everything ready in October and that way, because it's back in Philadelphia and I'm down here in North Carolina so it's a little bit of a logistics nightmare to get everything up and yeah. set up and to get going. It shouldn't yeah, it's be three states it away. <laughs> it's, it's Virginia. That stage is such a nightmare to drive through. It's like not. It's like eight hours, and like six of it is through Virginia's endless expanse of farms and mountains. Yeah, um, that sounds about really, right. It's just boring. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's fun because you get to talk to people and like it's just just regular people who are just interested in art, and sometimes they ask you questions, and sometimes they just go, "Oh, I like this little squiggle. What does it mean?" And it's just like that's just what happens when I don't put enough pressure when I'm putting the mark there, or you know, it's. If it's architecture, because that's a whole other thing that I like to do, you just say, oh, that's yeah. just something to keep the top of the dome from falling down and killing everyone inside. But now it's... You can bullshit people into such a magical wonderland. This oh, you're, you're absolutely. The tiny brush, the errant <laughs> stroke has everything to do with some of the uh, some of the dips into my creative well. And you see, and that's how the expression comes out. It's nothing that I can control. It, it, it courses through me and it expresses itself. And with that, you have what you see before you. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, what does that mean? Think about it. You'll find the answer tonight. <laughs> I used to make people so mad at art in crits in art school. I used to call those $4 art words, you know, like, oh, it's the juxtaposition. That's That was everyone's favorite word. Oh, <laughs> everyone loves that word. Everyone loves that really? word. Yeah. It's a macrocosm or a microcosm. Or like we used to make, I used to make a bingo chart and that would always be towards the middle. Um, yeah. macrocosm, microcosm, juxtaposition. I have, I gotta see if I still have them. Um, yeah. in my iconoclasm class, which was a fantastic class that took my senior year. It was me, one other undergrad, and the other 20 people were all grad students. Phenomenal class. And my professor, Charlotte, is like one of my favorite, favorite, favorite professors. She comes to all my solo shows. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, it was just really cool. And this happened because I don't know how much you know, but when I graduated, it was in 2012, and that was during the god-awful Sandusky event in yes. Penn State. So they were literally removing a statue of Joe Pod during the class I had about removing icons and statues. So it was uncomfortably prescient. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was a really interesting class because you know, I was in school for art and we took a class about destroying art. So it was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a cool background, though. And I just wanted to like make sure we touched on it before we got into all the other TS stuff. Cause I feel like, you know, we have had one or two professional artists on before, but I don't think we really like delved into like the mechanics of like, you know, the art show and the like education piece. And I think it's just really cool to like talk a little bit about that. Cause I think sometimes people, at least, you know, who are like less informed about the artistic process, forget that that's like something that people can still do, you know, like I think it's yeah. cool. So. And the other interesting thing is um, you are not uh, divorced from it while you're talking to us. 
yes, uh, you have uh, the presence in this whole fandom and this particular niche. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is th- all this other stuff that, you know, real artists, you know, drop in quotations, they yeah. they go, they go and they do. Yeah, this is still very much a part of you. And so it's really cool, especially since um, I think a lot of people get really scared mm-hmm. to be tied to any of this. And uh, and then they don't want to bring it up or have anybody else bring it up. Things like yeah. that. That's another thing, which I appreciate uh, you doing, by the way, being frank about what you still pursue outside mm-hmm. of just, you know, what you decide to post online. Yeah. And I have posted like I do show some of my monotypes like on Twitter. Yeah. X, God, whatever, whatever that is. It's um, Twitter. It's always going to be Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> We before, know what you mean. That former site, really trying to just cut ties with it because I'm so tired of the, the NFT bros and the AI and everything else. It's like, this is my commission. It's like, would you like to make lots of money with NFTs? It's like, no, I wouldn't. Please go in. Yeah. Uh, so like on Blue Sky, because, you know, I got an invite. Slowly starting yeah. up from the ground again on there. Who knows how that's going to turn out. Plug that shit. We will plug it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Blue Sky's yeah. great. I have one there too. And like on my Patreon, I show my monotypes more often. I was trying on the other sites, but no one really shows much interest in them. So I post them there. Um, my like on Tumblr and on Instagram, it's much more the other. And occasionally I do have some bleed between the two. Yeah. It's funny yeah. when people from my fine art stuff find the first stuff, they go, oh, oh, okay. And then they just, they don't ask any more questions. It's like, <laughs> that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I don't really hide it. I don't really like. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck it. You, you get like no glances sometimes, and then for the most part, it's just they don't ask any questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much work to to do that shit. Yeah. Anymore. Exactly. No, it absolutely That's, is. It's like this. Is that like D and D? Yeah, it is. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Whatever you want to think. Now let's get into the stuff that people giving no one no one glances about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I wanted to like really dive into in particular because I think you're really well positioned to talk about this. You know. I feel like a lot of people have a lot of strong feelings about like primates when it comes to like the TF fandom. And, you know, I'd like to kind of start off by setting the groundwork and hearing a little bit more about how you found your way into having such a large focus on them. Cause I know you started off with merfolk. So I was curious to hear what the path was that took you from the sea to the jungle. So obviously I have an unusual username, right? Mm-hmm. My username is a misspelling of Aegeus. Theseus, his father from mythology. So if you don't know that story, he was waiting for Theseus to come back after his adventure with the Minotaur, and I think Theseus was supposed to show a certain color sail if his party was successful in killing the Minotaur. For some reason, he didn't remember, because no, nobody ever does what they're supposed to do in Greek mythology. Yeah. He didn't show the white color sail, so Theseus' uh, father, Aegeus, thought he died. So he threw himself to his death in the Aegean Sea, which is where the name comes from. One of my friends, when I was designing my Murpho character, thought, oh, that's a great name. You should use it. And he gave me an incorrect spelling. So I didn't want to use his spelling, but I didn't want to use that one. So I used a modified spelling. Read an incorrect spelling. And that misspelling has cursed me from age 12 or 11 to this day. So <laughs> don't make mistakes when you're little because you'll be in your 30s and still suffering. The reason probably for Murpho is a couple one is I swam from like age six until college. Swimming was it like consumes your life if you become a swimmer. Yeah. It's yeah. your summer, it's your 
winter, it's as soon as you get out of school till you go to bed. You swim, 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 swim. Have no social life, you swim. I liked swimming, but I hated the competitions. And you're not really recognized as an athlete. It's kind of just one more thing for kids to pick on you when you're little. So it's sort of like your life, but it's like a curse, but it's also sort of fun. I was never really that great at it. It was just something I did because my parents were yeah. like, you need, an, you need a sport. So it was sort of like just a swimmer. It wasn't that great. wasn't that good at it, but I just did it all the time. So you felt good doing it or what? I mean, I did. I liked it. And I was in better shape most of my life because I did it. I stopped in college because I hated swimming. <laughs> I got tired of it. Um, I did it all the time. <laughs> so yeah. like, I had like, a love-hate relationship. I liked it, but I also hated it. No. <laughs> yeah. So it tied into Merfolk and when you, when you were loving it, and is, is it kind of like where I like both? Because like as I started to hate it, that's probably also when I moved away from her in general. Ah, uh, that makes but, sense. Yeah. Where it got kind of funny is in 1999, Disney put out a movie. They put out a really awkward movie that I can't believe that Zill made me judge this up when he sent me this outline. Disney put out a movie called The Thirteenth Year. Yes. I just want to say you are not the first person to talk about how this movie changed their life. So anyways, I just want to say it's not as uncommon as you think, but continue. The reason why I think it's uncommon is I feel like I buried it. Like, yeah, around the age of 15, I remembered this and I tried to like shove it deep down in some dark thing. I thought I was past it. And then I'm sure you know Sky very well. Sky, the artist, did a commission referencing it. And it was just like, it's like that scene from Akira. When, like, the, the little psychic children reach out to him, and he goes, leave me alone! Like, that happens. And I was like, oh my god, this movie's bad. And I went looking for it, and I ended up, like, in a heap. I was like, oh my god, I remember this. So that is probably when I started, like, making, like, a Merfolk identity because of that movie. If you go back even further, you probably can blame Little Mermaid, because for a while that was my favorite movie, and all the bright colors of the ocean and the merfolk stood out in pretty stark contrast to the Jersey Shore because Jersey Shore is gray and smells like cigarettes. Yeah. That, and my mom, like I said, she painted and she painted these great big fish in our living room and, you know, they would hang up and, you know, all those colors and all this added up. I also used to play yeah. Magic Gathering and one of the tribes and the first cards I ever got were merfolk. Ah. So all these things sort of added up to a whole of merfolk and... When I would go online and we got a computer in the house and I would look up Merfolk, they didn't really match any of that. Merfolk online kind of fell into a few categories, especially on DeviantArt. And I don't know if you remember Lysander. That was like the big illustration website before DeviantArt let like illustrators on. I think either called Lysander or Sanderwood or something like that. I don't know. It was really hoity-toity. They wouldn't let anybody in. Okay. Elsewood? I don't know. Something like that. Something that sounds like it oh. should be in Lord of the Rings. But they yeah. wouldn't let anybody in. This predates my time, so I have no idea I, what this website is. That rings a bell. Yeah. Ah. Oh, but I don't remember it, but I, 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 I think I know what you're talking about. But anyway, continue. So, um, so yeah, you got your parents, you know, and, uh, you know, you had the paintings of the fish. You had mm -hmm. a 13th year. You had mm -hmm. your time swimming, and you loved it for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. eventually you didn't, and then you were like, fuck this. And somehow something else clicked. Yeah. So, like, this is also when I... So when I first started posting, I saw the Merfolk online, and I felt like the Merfolk... Well, so before I get to the primates, but the Merfolk online, they were either only women, 
and not like the cool mermaids that like eat your soul or like kill you and crash <laughs> you into the rocks. Yeah. Or yeah. if they were male, they were like very feminine, and that's fine. Or like they were like shoujo. Is that the is that the name shoujo? of the shoujo? I, I I don't know. Shoujo, I which is when they're very cute anime girls. Maybe they're very like uh bright and bouncy, huge. They glitter. They're shiny. There's really nothing wrong with them. They're, they can be a little flat, depending on how they do it. Yeah. You know how Alucard looks like in the Castlevania anime? Or the yeah, Castlevania like that. Series? Yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's That's it's, sort of very sort of female gaze kind of design. Yeah, it's a pretty, like... It's that and also the anime style as people know it to be. Mm. Like, yeah. that's anime. Or the third kind of merfolk you would see is basically like King Triton. And those were sort of the only kind of merfolk you would see online. There weren't really, like, any other kind of merfolk like you wouldn't yeah. see the monastery ones all that much and you wouldn't see just like random ones. they were sort of accessories like ken dolls if they were males and i thought yeah. well that's gonna be silly there should be there should be merfolk the way i want them to be and so that's why i made all those characters but like everything else that can burn you out and it burned me out and mm-hmm. as i got sick of swimming and i got sick of the merfolk eventually i just kind of got tired of them and like i said around you know, when I found out around age 17 that my art teacher was probably not going to let me take that art course, my art career kind of thought it was dead in the water. Here's a pun for you, Zil. <laughs> so I was sort of shifting to like an art history focus or a history focus. So that's what I thought. I was going to go to school and probably major in either Byzantine or general European history, something. Yeah. And around this time, I started making more characters. Um, this is about when Shettle came out. That's how you're supposed to say his name. Or Otto or Vigar, the centaur in the night. I think I, saw, I think I made most of them my freshman year in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I kind of just stopped all the merfolk. Just got tired of them. Stop swimming, stop the merfolk. I would occasionally draw them here and there, and people would say, oh, where's your merfolk? You're going to draw more merfolk? I'd be like, yeah, sure. And then I just... Wouldn't. I wouldn't. I just didn't. Charles is probably the only one I don't think I ever completely stopped drawing. He's the one one, one that used to be the... um, The swordfish. Swordfish, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember him. But yeah, like this was like also my first identity crisis around this time. (laughs) Yeah. It was literally like, I woke up one day and looked in the mirror and thought, oh, that's funny. That doesn't look like my face anymore. And oh, like, no. I just didn't have a sauna anymore. Mm. If you had asked me, and some people did, I would say, I don't know. I basically, that's like where I sort of like disassociated myself from my username and it became more of like a brand than that little blue haired merfolk with the sword that yeah. I was for, I guess, five no, if this was 2009, 2008, it would have been like 40 years at that point, which is the yeah. brand. Okay, sure. So so then what was the kind of impetus to get you into primates? Well, this is going to get depressing, so bear with me. So before, now a lot of people forget this, but I had a back for a little while. Uh-huh. Between the fish and the monkey, I had yeah. a back. And he had a name, but then I ditched the name and he was just, I did the main. It's actually, if you look at DeviantArt and go to my account, there's a bat right now, and he spells out the word metal, which oh yeah, yeah. Was. he designed him. Yeah, so he was sort of a stand-in for my sona. I also had a satyr for a little while, and I couldn't really decide between the two of them because neither one of them really fit. Yeah, and occasionally, like around Halloween, I'll do the bat. He shows up a little bit. The satyr, 
I used a Seder a lot more when I was abroad and was like, oh, look, doesn't that fit a Seder in what used to be ancient Rome? Isn't that clever? Yeah. It it wasn't that clever. It's something that's been done to death. And I still do it to death, but it just didn't really fit. Um, The monkey started to pop up around then. Because, like, I always sort of associated monkeys and bats with, like, a loss of intelligence or, like, a punishment or, like, a defeat or a failure. And I always had, like, a very negative association with them. Yeah. So I kind of was like, okay, I don't really like that. Let's keep that on the back burner. But I found myself sketching them the more and more. And when, like, portfolios came around, they were really stressful or, I don't know, like, things got bad because, like, it gets worse and worse as you get older. I always kind of felt like it was like being cast down the evolutionary ladder or something. I had a really bad time after graduation. Just mm-hmm. a lot of things converged. I nearly called off my study abroad that year. Um, I just, it was just a really bad time. I don't want to go too into detail for yeah, it. Um, that's fair. And then I eventually did go back overseas, but it was like, like I said before, it was like a second identity crisis. And it was just like, you know, I realized while I was over there, even before I came back, that like all of this was essentially going to be just a giant hole I was digging myself into. Nobody really was going to give a shit what I studied or there wasn't really going to be a support structure to pursue an art career. I was going to have to figure something out and I didn't have anything figured out because who knew if I was going to build a client base or that I was going to be able to keep getting commissioned just because I had a few trickle in. Because when I was abroad, I was working in a gallery over there. I was doing commissions. I was at school. I was trying to get jobs here and dealing with, you know, my own nonsense. It just seemed like a job was out of reach. And as we were just speaking with AI, I feel terrible for the kids graduating this year and every year after. Because yeah. I've been, I don't know if you've been watching those congressional hearings, but they're not yeah. good. Yeah. It just seemed like it was out of reach. And so the and so what was there something that uh, was there something in primates that uh, I don't know clicked with you and that uh, they were both uh, they, they, they kind of shit on and then you thought maybe you could just pull them out of that because with all the stuff that you said you went through I can imagine that uh, you know you got these creatures that are pigeonholed misunderstood um you know demeaned and you thought you know that's kind of like me but i don't want to be that way those things don't deserve to be that way and neither do i i guess it came for me i was working probably should have mentioned the company i was working for a big retail chain and this was i think four weeks after i had come back and it was two months from the date when i had just been on top of the cathedral in the cathedral milan and i slipped down a a ladder in the back room and i was like Mm -hmm. Two months ago, I was on top of a cathedral and I just fell down a ladder in the back room of this chain. And I just felt like, man, it would be so much better to just be some stupid primate in a zoo. And that's kind of when it clicked. And that's when I started exploring it as an actual identity. It's like, you know what? That's a lot more appealing than this company that literally just valued me for my labor. That's sort of like where this new identity came from. And at first I thought it was just going to be something that went away. But I found out I really like primates. And yeah. that's something that's so negative eventually it became something that was better. Yeah. I was kind of reminded of Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, because uh, even though he became like this uh, this incredibly popular wrestler, arguably one of the most, he uh, he said that he always felt his calling in life was to pick up the heavy thing and move it over and then pick it up again. <laughs> pick yeah. things up and put it down. Yep. And like, I know that's really depressing and that's upsetting. But like, 
Well, it doesn't have to be depressing. In yeah. Setting. It, like, it, if something has its genesis in that place, like, it's just being authentic to explain where it came from. And then you've, like, explored it, I think, in a lot of, like, different ways since then, too. Like, you know, you mentioned thinking about, like, oh, the ideal worker and, like, you know, there was almost like, oh, you know, you could be a dumb, you know, monkey in a zoo or something. It, I think like that loss of intelligence is often the thing that is associated with primate TF. And it sounds like you've kind of had, you know, an interesting journey of navigating it because you started off kind of thinking about it in that way. And yet I've seen in a lot of your art pieces, sometimes you will turn that on its head, like you don't always play to that trope. So I'm curious to hear like, how you like go about playing both sides because clearly it had its genesis in this like oh you know the the traditional loss of intelligence but now that's not necessarily the case yeah from dumb eight to gorilla grod <laughs> it, it depends i do both there were times like and i say this not all the time but sometimes i say like yeah intelligence is a curse sometimes or like being like aware of things is like a curse and it's like sometimes mm-hmm. it we just oh i don't have to feel that way anymore what yeah. You like you don't get to turn it off and turn it on. So sometimes it's a little bit of wish fulfillment. Also, it could just be that scene from We're Back where the kids eat those little pills and they're just gorillas and they just don't have to think about like horrible things happening around them in that movie. Yeah. yeah. But other times, you know, like you've seen my shopkeeper, that that commission theme I'm doing right now, where he's very clearly tricking people and yeah, trading their money for nonsense. But it's also like an important to not create a stigma that one that gorillas are dumb because they're not they're very intelligent animals and they're not pets and you're not supposed to put clothes on them and like despite how i do tend to pick gorillas in my work that's just fantasy i don't yeah and i can't emphasize that enough like treat them like they're children or like they're people or like they're pets i don't endorse anything that can put actual animals at risk don't be stupid <laughs> Yeah, you shouldn't have to say it. But the amount of videos I've seen on social media just makes me go, "What's wrong with our species?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same thing that's wrong with a bunch of species. Yeah, but we've we've got our our work cut out of ourselves for ourselves to fix things. I think I know we've made a lot of toys and a lot of ways to be able to get away with bullshit and then come back for more. Yeah, that's also true. If it, <laughs> yeah, but I think I think that's a great point though. Like you know, going back to the shopkeeper for a second. You know, that is definitely an example of portraying them as, you know, not being like, like being very smart. And I think that it can be uncommon sometimes, particularly within TF, to see people kind of express that different side of primates, because I feel like they do just almost always get associated with that loss of intelligence. And like you said, they're very smart creatures. So I think it's really interesting that you do depict that as well because it's not something that i see a lot of people explore yeah you know and it's like you know you see sometimes and i am absolutely guilty of it too you see that that minus int minus int minus yeah, int. Yeah, yeah, yeah but like and it's like we wouldn't trade a stressful human life to be an obnoxiously gorilla built gorilla person with an extra set of opposable hands and or opposable yeah. thumbs and arms inside the tree trunks you know, yeah, it's the, like the feet hands. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> loves the feet hands. Everybody wants them, and you cheat you with whatever you want to do with them. But yeah. like, you gotta embrace your inner oop. Yeah, <sighs> it's interesting though because there is also this like strange stigma in my mind about people not enjoying primate TS because they're quote unquote too human, and I just I always find that so funny because 
they're so clearly not to me. But I'm curious to hear a bit more about how you feel about this line of thinking. That was something, now I don't know everybody's experience, but that was definitely something Mm -hmm. I heard before, especially like maybe before Twitter and the Twitter-like things, like before before that became a thing. I haven't seen it written in a while. I know like, what was 2015, the last year of the monkey? Yes. But I remember, that's the last time I think I read that. I know I said it when I was younger, but I think that's the last time I actually remember reading it. And one of the reasons why I don't think I see it written is I don't think people read comments as much anymore. I know that some people get a lot of comments. I just don't. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's a line of thinking you get as much. If it's a preference, you know, I encourage people to challenge it and see if it's something that actually makes you uncomfortable or if it's just something that you heard so many times you just think. Yeah. But if it's something that actually makes you uncomfortable, I would never force someone to do something that makes them uncomfortable. But it also could just be that it is too similar for some people, or you know, some people just really want to be werewolf. Seems seems less like uh like a matter of discomfort and more like a matter of uh of perspective. Yeah. Because there is the uh the want for something drastically different. Mm-hmm. But if you woke up and you look like uh like anything else, any other primate that isn't a human, you'd be like, Oh fucking shit. Yeah. You, I feel you, like if you woke up as a gorilla I think you'd be freaking out just as much as you would if you woke up as like a deer or something. I know, right? It's so similar though. Why don't you just get over it? <laughs> it also could be like certain, like the wrinkles, I think, make them look older, especially with like chimpanzees or bonobos. Yeah. Or um, like, I know my little sister, the second youngest, is really upset by their eyes. And like, she oh, can't look at gorillas because she finds their eyes uncomfortably human. So it could be something that's like Uncanny Valley. She's fine yeah. with all the other primates, but it's just gorilla eyes make her really uncomfortable. And I'm not really sure why. Probably because there is a very lofty, this is a very lofty idea of what being a human is supposed to be. And I've touched on this a few times, but it's it's this idea that we are supposed to be separated yeah. from, from the rest of nature yeah. and humans. Like, you could argue that, sure, we are, but that's just the, the environments we built for ourselves. Yeah. But but we're never really a part of it, which is why I would argue with anybody that thinks, oh, you know, oh, the, the appeal of turning into an animal is that you finally get instincts and you finally get these true <laughs> desires and you let yourself be yourself. Like, no, no, you can have those things. Actually, you have them right now. Y- y- this includes being horny. Did you know you can get horny without having to turn into anything that goes in the heat? <laughs> Fuck, man. Yes, you can. You've never been in the same room with somebody who made you uncomfortable before and thought, hmm, this is somebody I probably shouldn't in here like that's an instinct it is an instinct yeah, yeah. exactly and, and it's taken for granted that oh you know humans don't have anything no we have everything we needed to to subjugate destroy and build as we kind of fucking please and people don't realize that we have the best stamina of any animal yeah, we do yeah. Yeah. Well, what about horses no not even close always remember we walked our prey to death the big ones included. Uh, we have the best range of hearing. The, oh, you can't hear you can't hear a pin drop. Well, you're not supposed to. You don't need to. We can yeah. hear more. We can see pretty well. 
You know, yeah. your night vision can be way better than you think it is. We're and primates, that's that's the group that we're a part of. Mm -hmm. So, yes, the idea that you could see something and, you know, would make you uncomfortable to see a human and what is arguably not. No, we're we're just we're a few steps away from that. And I think that's really interesting. That could have been us. Yeah, it, it, we're just we're just a different version of it. I think that's really fucking cool. And besides, the more you learn about human beings, we're fucking weird, too. Oh, yeah, we're very we weird. are really, really <laughs> weird creatures. What's we up have, with that appendix? Yeah, we, we, have, <laughs> we have fascinating. We have fascinating, like useless shit like the appendix. But we also have the shocking, the shocking ability to heal and recover from way more than most animals. Yeah. Broken bone. That horse is dead. Yeah. broken bone for us we can make it we can make it yeah which is pretty incredible yeah it's in and that and that's us yeah you know uh the transformation for me is the ability to explore you know the stat redistribution you mm. know that's yeah. that's the fun part of it <laughs> but i wouldn't want to ever lose this there's a yeah. reason i like this yeah and that i think other people should too yeah and you know to bring it back to your point earlier age about you know, obviously people like if they're deeply uncomfortable with it, they shouldn't be forced to like, you know, experiment with it. And I, I agree that with that, too. But I also do always encourage people to keep an open mind. And I think that, you know, there is something to be said about keeping an open mind about some of these species that you may not immediately gravitate to like primates. And it goes for a lot of other species as well. But, you know, because this one has that like stigma of like, oh, it's like too quote unquote human. Again, it's like I would encourage people to challenge that a little bit because first of all, like you just said, like they're not. And second of all, there's a lot of really interesting facets to them as well. And I've seen yourself age explore it. I've seen a number of other artists who can explore it in a really interesting way. And sometimes what can get you into a species is just seeing a take on it that resonates. And sometimes you just need to do a little bit of digging to actually find that. So, no. you know, it's important to give that space to, to do that exploration. Yeah. But you're going to be uncomfortable. You know, yeah. We're, but it's, we're it's, speaking... it's the difference between like, you know, a hard boundary and one where you can be like open to challenging yourself and getting a little bit uncomfy. I all think I'm that's saying, just it is. All I'm saying is to not be concerned with thrusting anything upon anybody it's just you're going to get uncomfortable to explore. Yeah, but you have to have that drive. And that's just all I'm saying. You should have the people should consider having the drive to explore. It. That's all. I should hope they do. So then I'm curious, you know, obviously, there's like a really big range of what you can become when it comes to like primate mates, be it like, you know, bulky gorillas, like we've talked about furry lemurs, lithe capuchins, stuff like that. I'm curious, like what elements of primate TF do you enjoy exploring the most? Are there like any hidden faves that many people overlook? Well, I'm sure you can't tell. It's my favorite, sir. Gorillas. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, I do like tell, like, all of them, because someone, now that I say this, someone, you probably know who I'm talking about, will find the most obscure one I've never heard of that's, like, ridiculous and will ask me to draw it. <laughs> it is kind of weird that, like, most people, when you say monkey, will not really give you a real one, but they'll give you, like, what in the West we think of as a monkey, but it's actually, like, a pastiche of, like, a chimpanzee and a New World monkey combined. Yeah, because yeah. monkeys don't have their chest and chimpanzee faces, but like yeah. that's what we think of as one. We think of you know like a chimp with a tail, but that's not a real monkey. A real monkey, yeah. It's like combination of like a chimp and a capuchin, or a chimp and like a howler monkey, but that's not real. Chimps are actually scary. I don't know if you've looked into them at all. They're terrifying. No, there's another zoo in it's like in the northern part of North Carolina. 
when you get to the the gates, you can hear them screaming like down the. Um, they're very loud. We didn't have them in there, right? They're very, very loud. They're very strong too. Like if you look at their muscle distribution, like chimp, like gorillas are like they can mess you up, but chimpanzees will try to mess you up. And whenever you yeah. see people have chimps, it's going to end badly for them. Oh yeah. Don't keep them pets. They're very violent. But like they do have the most like like agreeable designs. If you're wanting mm -hmm. a starter primate character and you don't want to grill for some reason, they're pretty good. Um, I do like like drawing a range of them. Orangutans have really nice colors and like their 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 skin and their fur colors because you get you don't get a lot of oh, purple yeah. or oranges in mammals outside of foxes um, and like for non-mammal birds and fish and before the sparkle dogs come for me. But like. <laughs> My least favorite is probably lemurs because it's sort oh, of like not a fox, and so it's a primate. Like I know they're not really foxes. I like their eyes and their expressions, but they're just they're just not that interesting for me. I just they're too divorced from the typical idea of a primate. They're just too different from humans for me to just sort of twist <laughs> what you did. Yeah, like I don't mind drawing lemurs. They're just they're not my favorite of the primates to draw. There's a lot of elements that I like to draw them, you know, like in the early stages, it's the brows and like, you know, the start of the change of the faces or like, you know, it's sort of like, there was this thing on Tumblr a little while where like people were like turning into vampires and they were just like gaslight their friends into convincing them that they weren't. Oh, I don't, I don't yeah. go out in the sun anymore because I'm just, you know, overworked where like every thing that was them changing was just an excuse. And yeah. like, you can do that with primates. Oh no! I just forgot to shave today. Oh no! I got bit, you know, on the forehead. My brow's not growing. It's just a mosquito bite. And like the later stages, it's like you can't hide it. No, these are pretty serious. You can't really hide this anymore. Yeah. It's like, no, you can't wear shoes anymore because you have opposable thumbs on your. Or like, no, your arms are like four times the size now. But like, there's a lot of neat stuff to draw. Some of it's just anatomical stuff. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The anatomy I, I find for gorillas in particular, I think, is really interesting. It's probably of the ones that I've gone to do like manips of gorillas are my favorite primates. So like I can definitely echo that. Yeah. You just see I'm looking looking at a diagram between the two skeletons, the human one. It's really it's drastically quite different. different. Yeah, it's quite different. You know, to watch a body shift from human to gorilla is extreme. Yeah. And very interesting. It is very interesting. You know, yeah. for those who are into anatomy, I think would find it very interesting. Yeah, or especially that, the feet. Or is that too fucking similar? <laughs> and your wolf-loving mates. I love watching videos of gorillas walking on their hind legs. They're so funny. They always look like they just committed a crime or did something. And they're just yeah. it to get out of there. Even though that's not the fastest way for them to move. They're just like... But their arms it's wonderful. I guess it's I panic. Do <laughs> I don't know if there's like a reason they do it or if it's just panic, you know? Yeah. Oh man, no, that's great. I was curious to pick your brain a little bit about your artwork theme process now, because you know, one of the unique things I see with your art output is like the themed commissions that you cycle through for your openings. And I was just a little curious as to like how you generally develop themes for commissions, like be it for Patreon months or like your own personal art or things like that. Cause you have a very like varied approach. And I think that's like uniquely quite creative. Sheer panic. No, okay. Um, <laughs> a lot of it's been trial and error. I mean, you've seen through Patreon, Patreon, I try to plan out like a year, usually around now is when I start. And if 
you know, I wasn't behind the eight ball, I would have already gotten it rolling a little yeah. bit earlier. But like in 2015 was the very first time I went to AC. And that was sort of like when I realized that what I was doing things was a little bit behind the times. Yeah. Sky actually is the one who's like, why aren't you on Twitter? And why aren't you on Patreon? He's like, what are you doing with yourself? And I was like, I don't know. So that's when I made both of those. And really the only reason I started it. Yeah. I started to see, you know, like what people liked and then also what I wanted to do. But another part of that is I never really had much success with just opening general, general commissions and just getting responses. And I think that's probably for a number of reasons. One is there's a lot of other artists out there. There's a lot of very talented people that occupy very art, but also the EF subgenre. I don't know. Do we have like a like a noun for what we are? I'm a little worried if we that one. A proper noun besides transformation fans or like... Yeah, like, is that what we are? Do we have like a name yet? I think it's just transformation fans. I, yeah. I've never heard like another term. There's not like a consol- There's not like a consolidated, condensed colloquialism for this yeah 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 and it probably is because then you know if we if we did have to make a very specific label it'll branch out even further but yeah yeah we're, we're just fans of transformation and then you and then you get into the what why and you yeah. know what you want out of it you know with each person that you talk to as far as i'm concerned yeah no we have we have two categories in for affinity that's crazy um yeah but whatever we are there's a lot of people competing for that niche if you want to like i know people get mad at the word accomplish that's what it is and there's a million mm-hmm. artists in, uh, there's more getting added but i don't say every day but often yeah and you know so it's like when some people open commissions they fill up immediately i never had really the success of just opening generals and getting people to come in another thing is i get bored doing the same thing all the time so if i do 12 different ones i'm less likely to burn out as quickly now i still uh. do as yeah. I'm sure you can say that there are some times when I get to the 32nd Patreon, I'm like, oh, my God, why did I do this to myself? Sometimes I'll get to the 15th and want to end it all, but I don't. So like keeping a cycle, even if the cycle, even if the months do repeat, you know, I always do Mermaid, which maybe that's just because that was half my life or, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just it's fun. It's, you know, everybody more or less knows that's a theme that comes around. Sometimes I do really well this year was decent mermaid wise and you should do like a mythology ish commission like I, I usually switch it between mythology and mino march yeah, yeah. mino march is actually more fun which you would think mythology would be because it's more varied but people seem to be more passionate about minotaurs than they do about more varied things um and then the summer is the worst though because i usually do some fun themes but August is always very tough. December is always really rough because I don't want to do reindeer. Can't stand doing holiday themed stuff. I don't know why. I just it's, it's too samey, maybe. I don't know. I, I also hate Christmas music. Like I know that's oh, really yeah. awful to say. No, I no, I hate Christmas music too. I'm with you too. I'm like the only times. Here's my hot take. The only appropriate time for Christmas music is between 9 a.m. and noon on the 25th. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, that's it. Midnight on the 26th, and then I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I give it an even shorter window. I'm like, no, 9 a.m. to noon on the 25th, that's it. I don't want to hear any other fucking Christmas music. It fucking drives me insane. From September 1st to December 23rd, I'd like it to be Halloween. Like, I'm one of those people. Yeah. So oh, like, absolutely. Like, I like that stuff. So. 
Yeah, like fuck yeah. Time. Halloween all fucking year. I could get behind that. Well, if you wanted to do some winter themes that had nothing to do with Christmas, you could do some good old bears. You can do some, uh, I think you could do wolves. You could do owls or snow owls. Owls are good, yeah. There's uh, Arctic foxes. Yeah, Arctic foxes. There's fucking moose. Moose. Wolves are like a crowded market because almost everybody has a wolf or canine stage. I don't. I did not have one of those. Oh, mm. well, neither did I. I Hello. Werewolf character, but like I never had like a wolf. Yeah. Stage. It wasn't. It's not a phase, mom. I never had one of those. <laughs> well, you and Libra have that in common then, because I definitely had a wolf stage. So. Yeah. How long? Yeah. Um, I mean, technically, my first Sona, my first Fursona was a wolf, gifted to me by my then and still current one of my partners, and then. I just have always liked werewolves, but that like was like kind of a separate thing for me. That's incidental. Uh, yeah, that's incidental. But I did have a a wolf phase. That was my first like you know thing. So. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't want to see wolves. I, I saw I wanted to see everything else. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. Now show me something else. Yeah. So I thought the fly was so fucking cool because it wasn't a wolf. Yeah, I mean that's a it definitely was not a wolf. That's for sure. I like them as monsters. Like I like monsters. Yeah, monsters. Yeah, but like yeah. They're not scary. I know that's <laughs> awful. Like uh, somebody once asked me, um, what like my idea of the worst kind of commission is, and I always say it's like slice of life, like like Zootopia slice of life kind of commissions. Like I hate those. I take them <laughs> because I have to. But like. Like a fox and a cat person sitting in a cafe talking about their life is like my idea of hell. Yeah, you you would much rather the monsters. I would rather than like be trying to kill each other. Like I just I don't know. <laughs> I think of I think of the art of uh, of big apes with their teeth flashing and the eyes just wide and the pupils like really tiny and just bringing down their big fucking. <laughs> I mean that's a that's a great concept. Honestly, yeah, I guess it could be worse if they're in sports jerseys or playing country music. That might be more hellacious. Oh man, uh, uh, what if uh, would you be willing to do a commission of people just talking about their lives, but with a soccer riot in the back? Would that be okay with you? That needs to put it completely straight. You just pissed off an entire continent with that word. What, soccer? What soccer? Sorry, but uh, it came from overseas, and we just kept it, and then they decided to change it over there. Now they're going to tell us how to talk. I, I feel like the the resident half European in this chat. I have to defend football's honor, but I've I can't be arsed. So continue. Why'd you even say that then? Well, I don't fucking know. I just <laughs> felt like I had to say it. Listen, my EU citizenship would be revoked if I didn't at least mention that it's called football there. But I, I nope, cannot muster the year. football though, no, there, but it's also called soccer. Yeah. Okay, because okay. other people told told us so. Okay, whatever. Get I the get, fuck over yourselves. I, <laughs> I, I don't even have the energy to defend because I think it's kind of dumb too. So. It is dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. Yeah, moving the goalpost. Ah. <laughs> I know what people are saying when they talk about football and they talk about football in Europe. Nobody plays American football in Europe because it's American football. I get it. And fucking Spanish. I'm Spanish too. So football, football, fine. Yeah. I know what football is. If somebody's going to be talking to me about football and fuck it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, so, you, so you can, so you can, um, you, you can play soccer with those hand feet, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question actually i never thought of that. Wonder, that that could be like a whole series of litigation like is that is that discrimination actually yeah. wait a minute if if you can only play that game with your feet but you can grab the ball 
is a still legal? Oh, that's a great fucking question. Yeah, imagine yeah. hopping on one foot or like uh or like handstanding to like chuck the ball. Oh my god, over someone's head. Yeah, questions. I really hope someone commissions this now. <laughs> If you ask the right person, someone will. Yeah, yeah, of course they would. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking around anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I think, I think that's a, a great point though. That like, you know, having the varied commission themes is a way to hedge against burnout and also like to at least keep things like fresh and at least kind of like guiding people towards the kinds of themes that you find more of an interest in actually depicting. Like, I think that's a really useful way of kind of putting it. It's controlling your agency as an artist rather than being a content machine. You still get to express yourself. Your agency. Uh Uh-huh. There. It doesn't always work, though. Like, I have, Mm. like, I do, this does backfire because, you know, you also ask how often does this work for my personal art? This is probably going to sound a little weird because like some people like my family goes oh you get to do what you love every day you work it's like it's still work no it's not like it's not like i just i found a really funny thing on blue sky today and it's let me pull it on because it's it's relevant it says um people who work from home spend their day napping doing diy and having sex um it says home working employees at major risk of distraction survey finds and like the quote was um I bought a beautiful office for them to fuck in, but employees insist on fucking at home. Now I have slightly less money and I'm mad. Well, when <laughs> you work at home, you're still working from home. When I yeah. want to do personal stuff, I have this like this like weird guilt complex that like I'm cheating mm. on my actual work that you know, yes. allows me to do things. Because right now, my work for the yeah, business community stuff is what pays for everything else. Like, I can only do oil paintings because I made enough money with my transformation work and through Patreon. So it's like when I take any time away from that, which any normal person would do in a nine to five, I go, oh, maybe I should be doing something else. Maybe I should be prepping for the next thing. Maybe I should. And it's like, it's hard to not do that. Yeah. And like, sometimes I have to go, oh, well, maybe I'll sell this one day, or maybe this is for a show. And I can sort of rationalize it, but that's not good. Because I still need to do things that I want to do, yeah. You know, it, to function. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree with that. Because the the turning what you love into your job means that you complicate your relationship with it. Yeah, and suddenly you don't really know what you should be doing and when. I don't even need anything else I could say will largely repeat what you did. Uh, But uh, the idea of making the themes that you do isn't to eliminate that because you you can't really do it too much. But just just to take the edge off as far as I'm concerned. So when you're doing like the potions, the myths, the the months, the seasons, it's to, you know, I, I see it as a way to just make sure that it's tolerable. You know, when when you can't enjoy it, it's at least tolerable. That that's that's the way I see it. It's not like I hate it because like there'll be themes I really no, like no, 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 and, no. I and there'll be commissions right. I don't want to do them and enjoy. So it's it's not like it's all there's a lot of gray. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm strictly speaking from uh, from the lens of what you put forward, which is you know it's work. Yeah. And yeah. work is exactly that. So you do your best to make it something you can cope with. Mm-hmm. We do have to cope with work, and we do have to find our ways to make sure that when we're done with it, it 
doesn't uh it doesn't stay with us yeah that's that that's that's the only lens on hell i would i would have i would be keeping the job that i had before if i didn't hate it which yeah, i fucking right. did and if i and i would have still been doing commissions openly if it wasn't burning me out and putting me through the same sort of uh baseline of if i'm doing something for myself i really could be doing something else after all the more i do the more money i make right that's the right thing to do yeah. right so yeah. it's really really hard i get it yeah oh man i have a kind of a related question maybe this kind of aligns with it uh in terms of like the talking about like how to avoid burnout and like you know how the themes can at least take the edge off you know i think that there's like a variety with your themes that like coincide with different artistic styles where you may like leverage one kind of style for a particular theme. So like, for example, when you do like the portrait series, which frankly is one of my favorites, it's like got a much more like realistic kind of like blend, whereas like then you might have like the sketchier alchemy pieces. So I was curious, do you settle on like an art style that meshes with the theme based on your headspace at the moment? Or is there more of like a this style is going to go with this theme because I think it best expresses the idea. Um, yes and no. So sometimes this is like, I guess, more directed with Patreon. So with Patreon, the original plan was I was going to try to split the months in half. And I was going to mm-hmm. have half that had a theme and half that had like a new style. That ended up being a really short-sighted goal because no human being can come up with six different ways to draw every year. And yeah. I didn't go through a single year before I realized, oh, wait, I don't know how to do this. At first, I thought, well, I'm going to try to come up with new styles every month. That didn't work. But I was like, well, maybe I can come up with six a year. I couldn't. So then it was like, well, how can I apply different ways of looking at things to different styles? And then it was like, well, themes are a lot easier to come up with because that's not trying to in- reinvent how you think every right. other month which yeah. is what I eventually, that became the model for Patreon. So, like, you can sort of break down the different styles into, like, you know, using different programs like Alchemy and Procreate. Um, then there's that one style that I called, like, the concept style, because I was trying to mimic, like, really sketchy concept art, not the right. way they call concept art now, where it's like, a finished picture, this is a concept. It's like, no, this is not, but that's what we're calling concept art. So that way we don't have to hire as many concept artists anymore. And then I have some that are meant to mimic now, this is supposed to look like a stained glass portrait, or which that was a really crazy style that came together through a lot of accidents. Um, then I have some that are like meant to mimic um, like old monster manuals or some, you know, a bunch of stuff. You can find them all yeah. over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just this style worked this way. Can I make it work in this context? Like, so the very first time I did that was. Recently, I took that concepty style. I changed it to be a bus style, which is the one with all of the people making the goofy faces at their, you know, pecs getting big. But that yeah, yeah. ape that I did that started a whole thing that I wasn't intending to, but everyone seemed to like it. And then I immediately <laughs> tried it again with the mount, and it was horrific. Because it don't always work. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Some the alchemy is a sketchier program because it is was designed originally by um his name is andrew jones um he also used to go by android jones he was one of the concept artists for the first two metroid prime games oh shit yes he's done a, he's done a ton of stuff but i know him from those two things but he and a couple researchers in japan um it's a really fantastic program if you haven't tried alchemy i highly recommend it 
may not work on all programs, but there's a web-based version called WebCommit. And I first saw it through the concept art, but I was like, yeah, it's probably too smart for me. It really wasn't. And a moron can use it because this moron uses it. And Stigmata, he's an artist in the furry community. He uses it. Yeah. Um, I think he still uses it. So he must, I don't know what OS he's using. If you use Mac, you have to use some finagling to get it to work properly. I One of my other clients got it working for me, and that's why I was able to offer it as sketches again. It's really fun because it's such a different way of thinking where you can model with shapes or found symbols. It doesn't take sounds anymore because of the like truncated way I have running, but it used to be able to, it would respond to micro, uh, microphone input. So like you could like wow. scream into the microphone and it would make sounds. I don't know necessarily if that's what they did for the um, development cycles on Metroid Prime and Metroid Prime 2, but probably because Android Jones is crazy. But that was, you know, and I used it for, I think the first time was just just for fun. And then I used it for building backgrounds and like an alien theme, which is one you guys ask for all the time in Patreon. And I always hate those themes because I go, okay, this will be aliens. And then the first 10 people go, how about a robot? And I go, you hate me so much. But it's just <laughs> part and parcel. Uh, I'm terrible at drawing robots, cars, and ships, and mechanical stuff, and I do it anyway. Someone just had me draw a Five Nights at Freddy's robot. Oh, yeah, product. for the veil. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. It was on the Beyond the Veil pieces. That was one of that was a one a style that I tried in Patreon first. I was so convinced you were all going to hate that, but it ended up being one of my favorite. Patreon styles, and then it ended up being a commission sequence people or a commission thing that people ask for every year, which is good because it's one of my favorites. It's really good, yeah. So I, I'm curious then, um, have you ever had like a theme that you felt like fell flat or that you didn't really like vibe with the yeah. output? And what did you like change to try and avoid that in the future? I know we already like alluded to mounts, but you know. <laughs> I started Patreon in 2015 and I didn't really expect it to go anywhere. I think I had four patrons the first year. I had Lucky, Flounder, Gnome King and actually I think it was just those three for the first two months and that was in the, that was October, November, and December. And then I was like, well, they're still here, so why don't I try like theming them because I didn't know what else to do because I figured they would get one and leave and I'd never see them again. Lucky, I yeah. think so. He's probably going to be around for a while, which is good because he's like my oldest friend on the internet and he's a good guy. So the first one I thought was I'll try Magic Gathering. And there was only three of them there, so I figured, well, that's easy. And then I picked up three more people who had never played the game or done anything with them. So I had to like teach people about this card game that they never heard of. So I was like, okay, that's too narrow. So the second theme, I was like, well, I like to make my monotype. So I'll explain this to them and do a black and black and white one. And I think at that point I had eight patrons of the eight, yeah. four eight. They absolutely hated it. And I was like, half the people hated the first theme I tried. What the hell am I going to do with this? And that was the black and white. Tenebrae theme and it was yeah. so negatively received I didn't ever want to do it again and then I think in 2020 so it's like five years later four years five years later four years later 2020 yeah. I finally was just like well okay if they hate it a second time I'll never do it again and the reason why I waited so long is it's different than the way I do the other themes so normally when you draw you put the lines down and you do it additively right so when you do monotypes you erase the ink from the plate in like you know, it's because it's traditional. Right. This yeah. is the only theme I do that with, where I start with black and I erase it digitally. And you were there for this one. Everybody, I, was, yeah. said, well, I think I had one person who had edits, but that person left Patreon forever. So, so it, it's actually coming back this year. Nobody else knows. That's Ooh. 
Don't tell anybody. I think I told a few people, but yeah, it's coming back. Yeah. Um, and it turned out really well because it is a minimal style, but you can do a lot with one color if you do the right thing. Now, you can't always yeah. have like, you know, a mech that shoots laser out, lasers out of its eyes and have it work for this theme, but if you pick the right things, it works. Like yeah. someone had like a, um, what are the tentacle face monsters from D&D called? Oh, uh, Mind Flayers. Mind Flayers. Like that was, he wanted like a Mind Flayer cultist. And it was one of the coolest things that I got asked to do that month. And it's, yeah. it was like, it ended up being the mascot for it. And it really worked. And like people who picked like a horror or like a spooky thing that used light really got the theme and it really worked. Yeah, I I remember mine was a mine was a Cthulhu one, but it was like the changes were kind of just starting, and it was very big on like the tentacles around. That was very cool. I really like that one. It really worked for that one. Yeah, um, but I've also brought themes back that have not worked. Like one of like right before Alchemy stopped working, that be turn the second or third iteration of Alchemy did not work, and like mm-hmm. I usually will admit this was a mistake and it's usually when alchemy or when patreon themes backfire it's usually me i either didn't explain it well or i burned out and didn't want to admit it it, it happens yeah. and then usually after a month or two all people who i think i really messed up i'll just like hey do you other edits that you want me to make to this is there something i need to change usually people say no a couple of times people say yes like i think i've fixed a couple for Corey. i know i've asked you before but i think you're giraffe one time I wanted to fix and you're like, oh no, I like it. But yeah, no, I liked it. <laughs> also you stare at things long enough, eventually you see things that aren't there. Yeah. But no, I think it's kind of interesting if I can maybe summarize a little bit. Like basically when you've had themes that haven't always been received well in the moment, uh sometimes it's just a matter of waiting to come back to it with a new group of people with some tweaks. And seeing how it lands again. And sometimes, you know, you have something that works wildly successfully the first time, and then you go back to a different group and it doesn't land. And so it's kind of a question of like, you know, there's always going to be an element of like who the audience is and how that plays off. But at the end of the day, it really kind of just ends up depending on how you feel about it coming out of like a theme or a month or whatever. And then judging if you want to like bring it back or if you want to like consign it to the dustbin for a little bit. I was thinking about rather the fact that you make themes with the audience that you have. So you would have to designate what kind of audience you feel you have. Do you now I'm curious about that. Could you describe the kind of audience you have in like a term or just a few words? Because, you know, I would I have a particular kind of audience. I would sum up as people who I guess like the realism and some of them like the sex. So I don't know what kind of audience you feel you have. That's an interesting question. Um, it's hard to grasp. Like, I feel like I have a good idea of art, of what my audience, like, I feel like I have audiences. Like, I have overlaps with a lot of other audiences. Like, I know I have some that are very into d Yeah. And I don't really understand enough about that. I ask a lot of questions, and then, like, the, the jokes go right. I have a couple who are more into MTG which I grew up with, so I understand some of that, although <laughs> making them bad lately, so I don't understand enough about the more modern stuff with yeah. Magic together yeah. anymore. Some that I know from playing WoW, so I know a little bit of that. There's some that are much more into the mainstream furries, and, you know, I know a little bit about that. I don't know everything. I don't know if there's been one recently, but almost every other week there's some famous one that pisses all of them off, and they go, oh, did you hear what this person did? It's like, no, because I don't know who that is. 
Um, <laughs> but like with the TF community, most of the artists that they mention, I've at least heard of or know of them now. Well, that maybe three years ago, I wouldn't have. So it's hard to say exactly the audience with Patreon. I feel like, like I, I feel like they know now because, like I said, it's been, it's been eight. So oh my God, with eight years yeah. now of the campaign going on, I feel like I know what they want. With commissions, I feel like it's still hit or miss. And like trying to transfer themes mm-hmm. from Patreon to regular commissions sometimes works well, sometimes it doesn't. Like potions work well, the backfired wishes work well, but I think they've probably gone stale now. Um, the Beyond the Veil one seems like it still works pretty well. The one with my um, sales gorilla, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. I'm still waiting to see how it shakes out. It's hard because all the conventions are back this year. So it's like, it's hard really like how much of the data with the commissions I've made is, I mean, yeah. Like really versus the commission or versus conventions versus inflation versus food. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. know what's, what's the priority. Yeah, I get that. And since you are, and since you are actively trying to keep things um, workable for you, then yeah, I, I suppose yeah, it makes sense to me that you can't really nail it down in yeah. like a few words or sense. I I'd actually like to take a stab at that because you know I've been on the Patreon for like six years now. Holy shit! And uh, one of the things that jumps out in my mind, honestly, if I had to like summarize, and I guess this is specific to maybe the the patrons who stuck around a long time, because a lot of us have, have stuck around a long time, but. If I had to summarize it in like a few words, I'd actually say explorers and adventurers, because I think one of the really interesting things about your work that I think draws people to it is the exploration of different themes and a little bit of challenging in terms of, um, you know, challenging what interests you have a little bit and seeing how that might fit into a concept. Um, I find that the people who gravitate towards your stuff have that drive to like explore a little bit. Uh, explore themselves a little bit, explore, you know, different themes. You know, we've talked about, you know, the D&D and the MTG and the WoW, and there's obviously a lot of adventuring kind of themes that run through those. And I think that is kind of a through line through a lot of the people who I find uh, will, like, join the Patreon. So if I had to summarize it, that would be how I would take a stab at it. I don't know how you feel about that summary, but I think it's kind of apt. Sure, I, like I never really thought of it in that context but i think that's pretty good yeah yeah makes a lot of sense to me especially because you start with a very uh rpg sort of uh rpg fantasy sort of uh vibe mm-hmm. but yeah after over the years when you're trying a bunch of different things you're like well what, what are people here for but if you're finding that uh if it's adventuring and discovery and exploration then yeah, i think that's pretty cool and i think that also works because i see even with some of your more recent works you have people uh going into like other dimensions and changing that way too and what are you doing in the dimension i don't know yeah. let's find out yeah. so yeah there you go yeah i do want to make sure that we have time for the last uh theme uh that i wanted to talk to you about and that's about kind of wordplay and tf because one thing that i've always felt really stands out in your work is a love for using puns or wordplay within either like you know the title the trigger the description the general vibe what have you so i was curious just to hear what was the initial draw for you towards the more humorous side of tf well you know i'm the 90s kid so we sort of grew up in like that confluence of nonsense like with spongebob and all the other crap they put on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon that, you know, post-modern life and all like the crazy wordplay they threw at us constantly. Then when we got yeah, older shows yeah. like Futurama and stuff like that were, it was constant. 
and like maybe it's because you know i stutter or maybe it's because i misspell words words that just didn't write just then words all the time when i type i find it hysterical not only when there's wordplay but when things are published or printed and they're misspelled i find that hysterical i don't know why i just like if it's a neon sign and a, enough words are out that it spells something else i don't know why that's hysterical to me mm-hmm. um like, there's a giant is a it's still around. Giant is a big food um, retailer, the big grocery um, food retailer, grocery store near where yeah, I live. Yeah. And the one closest to my where my parents live, the A and the N are always out, so it says "get food" all the time. <laughs> so it's just I, maybe that's just you know saying a few words wrong when you're reading a spell. Now you're a frog for life. I don't know if that's why, but like if you're not willing to gloat after you've just turned somebody into something, then you probably shouldn't be a bail for polymorphic acid or something like that. Or like, maybe it's just like, it's sort of like the same thing. Like you picked up the wrong stone in a temple and now you're permanently cursed forever. It's like, that's just life, you know? And I think that that sort of goes into that whole minor inconvenience, enormous catastrophe. That's sort of the whole thing. It's like, you shouldn't have picked up that golden ape statue if you didn't want to end up as a giant golden ape for the rest of your life. And like puns are kind of like that, you know, they sort of, it's sort of that same, like, oh, that's the word you chose. Like, it's that yeah, whole, you're really going to go with that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that whole kind of like wordplay and minor inconvenience. And now I don't, I don't know exactly what you call it, but that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Some would call it exasperating. <laughs> Well, because I, I I often think that like groan inducing puns can be like the best or the worst, depending on like how you perceive it. And like, I don't know, I when I put it in my stuff, I always try to aim for that reaction. I don't know if you're like aiming for that, too, or if there's like a more like clever sort of approach you're hoping to like imbue with that kind of like pun stuff. I think I put them in there for myself. <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> I'm always legitimately shocked when people read my comments anymore. I used to take pains and write long descriptions out, but like nobody reads them because like you can see how many people read your comments, like what regardless of the platform you're using. Yeah, and it just seems like the time was better spent actually working on the art or talking. You know, if it's commission, talking with the client or someone who's just seen your work. So if people are groaning when they read the puns, you know that's always appreciated. But like I don't know if sort of like throwing it into the, you know, into the ether. It's, it's like tweeting anymore. It's, no one's going to read But I'm glad someone is. Yeah. If, if there's any drive to continue doing it, then my advice would be to just just be brief about it. And you'll, you'll catch some, you'll catch more people with that. Because I, I, I feel compelled sometimes to write a, a little blurb or a block mm-hmm. or something. But often I want to do something very short that will just plant a seed and then people will be like, ooh, and that's uh, and that's good enough for me because yeah, because it's just part of the expression. If you get to leave something there, artist comments uh, is something that I find matters. I'll often look at the artist comments, you know, mm-hmm. so because because I want to know something about it. I don't, it's cool yeah. that way. I'll still thank people for them, you know, like thanks. Yeah, yeah. gone are the days from Deviant Art when you used to get long conversations with complete strangers on the. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even if, yeah. even if they were threatening your life, at least they were talking to. <laughs> wow, I didn't get to that point. Oh, you, you missed the heyday then. <laughs> uh, Age has had a very illustrious comment history. I, I, Can I, attest. 
Zildjian. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll give you one one thing though. Okay, um, go for it. Uh, lives on in infamy from DA was somebody um, who uh, who was posting this art, uh, and and uh, oh, what was it? Yes, it was Resident Evil Five, and uh, Chris had Chris Redfield for those who really don't know the characters names was uh was reimagined to be this uh this fucking guy who was bitter and didn't want anything to do with anybody before he was a hero because he was a survivor of like the first game and all this yeah. shit and uh, and another game before that and and uh and and this this user was so fucking heartbroken and emotionally distraught by it really and i thought i wouldn't normally say anything but this time I'm going to say something. And I did. And I tried to say something like, you know, we've only seen the trailer. I think that uh, you could be like a really good character. I, I think it's different that uh, he's uh, he's different now. Mm. And uh, he may not even turn out to be the way that uh, you're worrying about. And uh, and uh, went. I'm just going to go with a she because she fucking said things like you being a man don't really have a grasp on emotions. You don't really feel them. <laughs> Okay, and and cool. and uh, let's reinforce toxic masculinity. It was quite the thing telling me that I didn't experience emotions and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, and this was also in the face of her saying that she wanted to uh to down an entire bottle of Nyquil and never wake up. Jesus, yeah, over over this, over Chris. That's the kind of person making Nyquil chicken over on TikTok. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just I just yeah, so so there you go. Uh I didn't get that, but but I didn't get all that shit death threats, but I got that. I don't feel emotions cuz I'm a man. Oh I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> well, then on a lighter note, I'm curious. What is your favorite pun or wordplay wordplay that you've gone to work into it, Tia? You know, I've had some that I've really stretched and it's just been like yeah, that one. But this is the one I couldn't figure out what you asked me earlier i think one of the stupidest ones that i was thinking of is like when november rolls around just yeah. like i really like those because i didn't really know what a null was until like my 20s because i didn't play D and yeah. like an, like an acts of nullification where it like not only does it make you stop working but it also makes you a hyena i don't know i kind of like that because it's you know <laughs> it's a fun but it's also like it does what it says you know yeah, no, that's good. Are there any like non pun word plays that you really enjoy too? Because obviously, word plays more than just puns, but yeah, there's pro- probably like, and the thing is, like, sometimes they just come out of my head and I go, Oh, nobody's even gonna react to this. And like, some be like, Are you okay? Oh, <laughs> 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 so you are. It's like, Yeah, I'm, I'm oh my god, no, that's great. Well, we do have some audience questions that I want to make sure we had time to get to um and the first question we have is from evian fox and uh she asks if you could see a well-executed transformation added to any media franchise be it a movie game series tv or whatever which one would you choose and what transformation would you like to see explored in it um so i'll go first because i'm basic and i already know my answer uh, I would want to see transformation worked into the Ratchet and Clank franchise, and I would want to see a human turn into a Lombax. I'm basic, like that. That's it. That's what I'd want to see, and I'd be. I think it would be actually really cool because they have 
multi-dimensionality already worked in within the game so it's entirely within the canon to have humans involved in some way and all i'm saying is insomniac turn me into a lombax in your next games that's all that's all i'm asking for it's not a big ass yeah it's a very yeah don't don't hold out on this guy <laughs> yeah exactly we know, we know you can just do that insomniac call me you know yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know how about you age I'm going to cheat. Instead of seeing something added to one that doesn't have it, I want Zelda to bring them back. Oh, uh, you want the Majora's Mask back? Majora's that Mask was cool, though. Yeah. was like the most foundational video game to me. And I forgot that because I went off on one of my tangents I wasn't supposed to go on. Like, <laughs> just in the franchise in general, like, you know, Twilight Princess was a thing. Or, like, this like supposed Castlevania reboot that we keep hearing about almost every year that doesn't seem to be happening. I'd like to see that come back too, but like, come on. So come on. Um, other than that, I kind of think like the artist's vision is probably best left alone because otherwise, you know, you keep making interesting things. Someone will ask one of us to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I completely agree with that, and that's uh, a very respectful approach. Well, not only that, it ties back to the conversation we yeah, have with Angela. That's true. It's like that's true. the point of showing this. So, um, so like with Majora's Mask, it you know putting on the mask and having you know the the little taste of like the horrific transformation that he has to undergo to be able to adapt to whatever circumstance. Yeah. Was Part of the tone of the fucked up world Link was oh, stuck in, in that game. It was very fucked. Up. So there was a purpose to that. So what would the purpose of it be in anything else? Yeah, in Castlevania, you could argue it's horror, so you can. Yeah. But Castlevania has other things it touches on. So I can see why you know they wouldn't probably want to spend time on like this arduous, you know, body contorting mm-hmm. and everything like that. So that's so. So I get that. There is one Castlevania game where it is a core mechanic, and that is that horrible N sixty four Legacy of Darkness. If you've ever played it. Where you're aware of I was. Where you're Cornell. Yeah, you can see a darkness I don't know about. I I thought you were going to say Lament of Innocence, but yeah. That's a wonky game. The story and the art's good, but like, the, well, good. <laughs> it's a game. Good. <laughs> In quotations. It, 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 they, they made it and, and they. They can't call yeah. artwork or Mitsuri Yamani's soundtrack, but like the gameplay yeah, and but, the story you can call it. <laughs> But beside that, you said Legacy of Darkness has transformation in it? Yeah, I gotta look that up. I can't remember how often you're human. Because I feel like most of Cornell's abilities, you're the werewolf. But I feel like you go back and forth between the two of them. Um, and then at the I end, do. your wolf form gets yoinked. But yeah. Yeah. And I know that Aria of, Aria of Sorrow, uh, you have certain souls that you can pick up. And... Uh, Legacy of Darkness is 3D. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because cause on N64, it, it, they, they were trying everything they could in 3D. They were. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I I didn't really know what to, to pick for the question. And uh, and I had, like, an odd uh, moment when I looked over to my left and I thought, Darkstalkers. Darkstalkers oh. would be very good for that. Felicia does go from being the character that she knows, but she also has a just the typical cat form. Mm-hmm. And she and there's also straight up a werewolf who's called John Talbane. They both cha- they both change in their fighting game, uh, in in the fighting game and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think it would be really cool to just kind of see that really that that really good uh, 
kinetic uh, shift of the body from one form to another. Because Darkstalkers is 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 almost like a, a celebration of like horror themes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Because they take all kinds of stuff: the succubi, the vampires, the uh, the Frankenstein's monsters, the sa- the the cryptids of the Sasquatches, uh, you know, fairy tales, everything. So I think it would be great to see. Um, it, it, I think it would be great to see Felicia, not just for my, not just for my taste, but also because it would be really cool to see something like a cat turn into something like her, and it would be such. Um, it would be such a great uh-huh, just a juxtaposition to see this kind of like attractive body, but also you know she will kill you if she wants to. Yeah, it's I I so that's my pick. It would be Darkstalkers. Yeah, no, that's good. I I appreciate how both of you were like thinking about the artistic integrity of like the series, and I'm just here showing my entire lombass, and I'm just like just. Do I need to talk about how how Felicia's just like? really fucking hot to me has been like oh no i know i know no but but you know (laughs) but i've never really talked about it i love felicia Uh, she got me into so many things Mm. and then that's why i got like a couple of like really nice statues of her like on the side of the camera yeah and um and yeah so yes i want to see her turn into a cat or change from a cat into like this really hot monster babe yeah that's cool with that Um, the next question we have is from Figerfire, and Figerfire asks, "You've turned into a juice box. What flavor are you?" I'm apple. Apple. I'm apple juice. Grape. Your grape. Yeah, that that came to me. It speaks to me. So yeah, fucking grape. Grape. How about you, Age? Ecto cooler. I actually don't remember what that tastes like, but it was the first one I thought of. Fucking a. There we go. There we go. There's not much more to talk about. Um, and then Bolas asks, you've been TF'd, how do you change your living space to accommodate this? So, for example, uh, you know, maybe you became a gorilla and, you know, now you have to, like, navigate your living space in that way. I like this question. I like this question, too. Um, do you want to go first, actually? Ah, uh, geez. So, okay, if I'm going to be going with my, uh, with my Sona, uh, my monster form... I would need pools, indoor pools. I would like, uh, I would like, um, soft surfaces poolside. I would also want, uh, skylights to let Mm. the sun in. And I'd want also to have, um, pretty much like a wall that I could open up at any time. So if, you know, the weather's warm enough for me or temperate enough for me, you know, there's my bit of nature there and I can just shut it down whenever it's too cold because I still like to live in a place with, uh, more than a few seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Nice big pool. Um, other people could come into it. Probably, uh, made a bit more natural. I'd probably go with sand or something. I don't know. Uh, Something that would be okay with the skin. Um, probably not chlorinated. Figure something out. Yeah. I, I think about this stuff, too, because of uh, Monster Musume. And, oh, yeah. And, and that horny-ass manga is actually very fun to read for all the accommodations that the monster girls would have to go through, especially when the mermaid gets introduced an entire wing gets added to this guy's house because she needs the water. Oh, that's great. And it's just like, what the <laughs> fuck? This pool is giant. So it's like, yes, yeah, she needs it because her skin constantly secretes this mucus. And that's why she looks so shiny and very obviously sexy. And, <laughs> but she needs the water. Otherwise, her skin will dry out. It's very bad for mermaids. So here's this giant pool. Enjoy. No, it's, it's a fair point. <laughs> it's probably also salinated what the fuck yeah don't worry the government is going to be doing that also just just yeah 
Yes, that's 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 what I would do to adapt my living environment. Oh, yeah. I think people would like to come over for the pool. That's a very helpful government. Ours would be going there's the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the water's over 100 degrees near Florida. Don't go there. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's really bad there. With this ocean temperatures. Okay. Well, then let me pass it over to you, H. How would you change your living space if you turned into a gorilla? Not heavy gorillas are, and mine's eight foot tall. So. Well, I have, there's woods right there, so I'd probably have to go outside. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think my house could support him. Um, well, I would say ground floor would, would be, be a problem. Clothes would be a problem, yeah. Yeah, I, everything would need to be like, what, the size and a half bigger? Yeah, yeah, it would. Because if you're tall and I'm not even six foot. Anybody, anybody can stitch clothing, so we're talking about just where you live, your dwelling. <laughs> well, I'd probably have to go to the first floor. We'd need to make all of my doors like bigger and taller. Bigger, yeah. Um, probably could not use the steps because I'd go through them. A food would be a problem too because of how much they need to eat. I'm sure. Yeah, you need a much bigger fridge. Just made me realize that I want stuff to be able to climb on. Oh yeah, you would. Dark fog and jumping and stuff like yeah. that. There'd be a lot of climbing. What is your Oh, it's um, it's it's just a creature that I made up, and like, uh-huh. it's like primarily like cat and frog, but there's like touches of like snake and um, and a frilled lizard. Yeah, 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 and kind of like salamander. I'll I'll show it to you if you're interested. But uh, yeah, yeah, it makes them all thin. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I probably either need a lot bigger or like move into a zoo and pretend to be a regular gorilla. Which <laughs> yeah. I'd almost have the opposite problem in the sense that I would actually be losing like eight or nine inches of height. So actually I'd need things to be like, like the heights of things would need to be reduced a little bit. Uh, I would want to have like a space that I guess just in general was a bit brighter. Ironically, I wouldn't have to change much in terms of the temperature of my place because I already keep it at fucking uh, like 62 <laughs> Fahrenheit. Uh, so that would still be fine with a coat of fur. I, I mean, I think because Lombaxes are so humanoid, there's not a lot that actually has to be adapted beyond the actual like height of things. But what I would say is definitely clothing would be a challenge because their feet just like are like have these massive claws on the ends and it shreds a lot of stuff. So you need like really good fucking shoes or I'd have to get used to going barefoot, which is fine. Um, yeah, sandals could work too, I guess. But yeah, I think that would honestly be the biggest thing. I there's again, there's not much in the way of oh, actually one one thing would have to change actually. All of my chairs would need to have holes in the back. Because having like a uh, just yeah. a tail that's there would fucking suck. So I would actually need to redo all of my seating. <laughs> so, you know, new chairs. I definitely need new chairs. Yeah. Would you get a new couch with a hole in the back? Oh, no, the couch is fine. The couch, I'd be fine. No, <laughs> I'm not touching that couch. I spent too much money on that couch. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of everything I had. I don't know if you had any questions for us. <sighs> Have you gotten any answers from like all these questions that you found like really interesting or surprising? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, here's your oh. Uno reverse card. Yeah, that was a good Uno reverse card, actually. <sighs> Do you have any that come to mind immediately? Questions that have that like have surprised our like our answers have almost surprised us, or like um, it's come out some brought out something interesting. Yeah, there have been. I'm trying to think of 
I'm trying to think of what like was specific recent. ones. Yeah. yeah, it's hard, but the 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 broad strokes answer is yes, and that's one of the reasons that we really like the questions. Yeah. Um, I have one I, actually. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is actually a fairly recent one, but um, at uh, Anthrocon, one of the questions that was asked was around. Uh, how do you connect like sexual identity to like TF and like exploring it and such. And I have a very complicated relationship with that label. But one of the things that was really interesting about that question is I was able to articulate kind of my position on it better than I've ever like thought about it in my mind. And that actually kind of surprised me because it was very like in the moment and it was like, okay, Zell, like go. And I like was genuinely very happy like with my answer. Like even when I was listening back to the episode and like, listening to my answer again i was like fuck that's a good answer so uh if i had to pick a recent example i'd go with that one yeah that's good i like that i am i can't think of it but um but i yeah i've, I've appreciated it most of the questions um are are fun little what ifs yeah the, the ways to like split hairs and extrapolate on just a tiny aspect that i would have otherwise otherwise overlooked so that's one of the reasons that I do enjoy the most of the questions. Yeah. And then, um, I, yeah. Yeah. It's, they're always a way to like challenge our, our way of thinking around transformation. And I think that's one of the things we like to do on this podcast in general. So it is, the questions are in essence, a, a giant Uno reverse card. And I think that's kind of cool. So, yeah. yeah. And you get to watch us and you get to watch us, uh, possibly change over the podcast. Yeah. Or exactly. hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Age, for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I guess, you know, if people are curious to find you online, where can they find you? Uh, I'm around. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Earth where apparently I've been since June 3rd, 2007. Oh, my God. I don't know why I look there. Um, I'm on Blue Sky, same username. I'm on Patreon, same username. Those are the three places you'll see all of the normal stuff. I'm on x but don't look for me there because i'm trying to scale that oh, down yeah hopefully yeah. delete soon i'm trying to i don't i don't honestly don't even know why i go on there because i can't find anything there anymore that's useful yeah i am where else am i i'm on tumblr but i have a different username that's if you just want to see like my fine art stuff that's across the seas um that's back from when i was abroad that's why it's got that goofy name yeah um, where else i'm on patreon too which all of my stuff you can see without you know backing you don't have to back if you don't want to um but if you are interested the tiers and what you can get is all listed there um that's the most up to date with my work then probably afterwards fa is usually what's the most up to date and then yeah. at least die after that i'm on telegram too i usually don't you know, ignore people who reach out for requests. So please don't ask me to roleplay. I'm not yeah. a teenager anymore. I don't do that. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, on the case of Patreon, uh, Patreon and Telegram, um, people who are on the Patreon often are in the Telegram chat that you have, and it's a nice chat. I like that chat a lot, actually. So shout out to the Patreon chat. Glad to know it. And um, speaking of shouting out, uh, just back to the question thing real quick. Remember, please uh, tweet them at us. Hashtag TFTFTuesdayPod. Um, just or I don't yeah. know. You can tweet or skeet them to us. You can always eat. You can always toot send them. That. Toot them. Yeah, you can toot at us on yeah. on Mastodon or you can even email us. Yeah, yeah. And leave comments on YouTube, too. 
we get yeah, that stuff. the comments is actually YouTube comments are the easiest way besides like the Discord. Uh, YouTube comments are the easiest way to get these questions on. Yeah, so I always you, appreciate those. Uh-huh. So yeah, come on, make us change in the stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank you so much, Age, for coming on again, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, at, as we've said before, you can always support us on Patreon.com/slash/TFTuesdayPod. But beyond that, I'm just really glad we had this conversation, and I hope you had as much fun listening to it as we did in in, in recording it. Uh, so yeah, I just hope y'all have a good week. Keep an open mind. Uh, stay cool. It's really hot out there, and uh, drink your water and keep an open mind and stay TF. And we'll see you back here again next week. Yeah. See you later, everybody. And yeah. thanks, Aegis. You've been great. Thank you.